you'd like to open your Bibles up to Matthew 20, we're going to be looking at Matthew 20, verses 26 to 28, but I wanted to read Matthew 20, uh, starting in verse 20, just to get the whole story here before we, before we start looking at the last few verses, the Friday verses. But let me pray before we begin. Our God, Father, we come to your word. We thank you for the, the privilege of opening it up to uh, see and behold more of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would be exalted uh, tonight by uh, the speaking uh, here and, and also, Lord, our prayers that you would be lifted up just as we have lifted up your name in praise. And we give you uh, thanks and uh, we give glory to your name. Amen. Matthew 20, beginning in verse 20, says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him, came up to Jesus with her sons, kneeling before him, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, the other disciples, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So these last few verses should cause us to ask as we begin, what is important to Jesus? What, what really matters to him? What is important to Jesus? And what is important to you? What really matters to you? And sometimes when we hear a good sermon, and some of us have heard a lot of sermons, we expect to hear teaching of some kind at the front end. And at the very end, uh, you know, we might expect to hear more about uh, how to apply it to our lives or uh, how um, the Lord is calling us to change and to repent. But here is a place where the Lord Jesus gives his disciples the application at the front end. It is striking how patiently he is correcting them. And then he's opening his heart, and what we are given is the most wonderful truth about why he has come. So Jesus says in verses 25 and 26, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. It shall not be so among you. It is not this way among you. Jesus begins here with a negative. He is going to correct their thinking step by step in two stages. First, he's going to take them through three steps to learn what they must be, and then three steps to understand who he is. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. 
it shall not be so among you. In verse 28 of the last chapter, Jesus has just told them, Truly I say to you, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Um, That sounds like dominion and authority, uh, doesn't it? That sounds pretty glorious, pretty powerful. Certainly it sounds like the highest honor. But when the brothers James and John want to improve things and find out if they can get an even better position in the coming kingdom, Jesus shuts them down and calls out the unspoken desires for preeminence in all of them. Jesus wants them to learn there is a difference between reigning with Christ in the future and gaining the whole world the way it is now. He said, many who are first will be last, and the last first, in Matthew 19. It shall not be so among you. Jesus, do you mean that we're going to be unpopular? That we're going to be laughed at? Do you mean that the world will rejoice while we must weep? Do you mean that the future glory involves taking up a cross and following you to bloody execution? He says, it shall not be so among you. You are in the world, but are no longer of the world. That which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. You see, the kingdom of heaven has a different definition of greatness, a different system to measure the value of a man, and a completely different rule of how a future reward shall be granted. Jesus says in verse 26, But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Jesus now takes the next step and turns to the positive. His disciples must not seek their own glory, but must, they must be positively humble. They must consider others better than themselves. They must do unto others as they would have others do unto them. Jesus puts kings and princes and powerful men at the bottom and a lowly servant above them all in the kingdom of heaven. This is shocking for us to hear now. It was shocking then to these Jewish disciples. Perhaps one of them would have nothing to do with this kind of talk. Uh, perhaps this was the tipping point for Judas. Um, you know, Judas, uh, he was in it for himself. Judas was the most important person in Judas's life. And so again, I ask, what is important to you and what really matters to you? Jesus takes a third step in verse 27 and says, And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Here Jesus describes a way of life beyond positive humility He's talking about exemplary self-sacrifice. This is the third step in correcting their thinking about themselves. He redefines their understanding of greatness and shows them their future inheritance and privileges. We can be thankful that he doesn't leave them wondering what this looks like to be the bond servant, the servant of God, Jesus, or the slave of God. Jesus is going to set himself as the perfect example Now he takes them the first step in understanding who he is when he says, in verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be served. You notice also that Jesus must begin speaking of himself here in the negative. He did not come to be born in a palace, be crowned with gold, and be protected by armies and received with glory and honor uh, by his own people. Not only did he not get the honor and authority that he deserved, but instead the humiliation of unbelief and mockery and rejection of those he came to rescue. He came to suffer the unbelief and hatred uh, of his own brethren. He is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing forever. But in the days of his flesh, 
he received lowliness and poverty and foolishness and weakness and dishonor and shame and cursing. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, if you are his disciple, you will be like your master whom you love. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Jesus in his mercy teaches us how to be truly humble, and he gives us grace upon grace to walk as he walked. But this is the pattern with everything in the kingdom of heaven, isn't it? Humility and brokenness come before the gospel binds up our hearts. Suffering comes before glory. A little child is greatest in the kingdom. A slave is the greatest of all. Why? Because God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. In 1 Corinthians 1. So Jesus takes the next step, and he says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus was the most humble man that ever walked the face of the earth. He went about doing good, healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching the gospel to the poor. Philippians 2 tells us, that though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And now, our Lord Jesus Christ brings his disciples the final step in correcting their thinking when he speaks of his own purpose at the end of verse 28, to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, Jesus goes beyond positive humility to demonstrate exemplary self-sacrifice. His life is a ransom. Here is the master showing his disciples that they would not be greater than he. In love, he would wash their dirty feet. He would willingly lay down his life as an innocent victim, a substitute, standing in the place of a specific number, a ransom of guilty sinners, and bearing all of the just wrath and curse of God that his people deserve in order to satisfy justice on the behalf of all who would ever believe in him. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He redeems at the cost of his own broken body and poured out blood. Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, the servant of God, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. What is important to Jesus Christ? What matters to him? He came not to do his own will, but to do the will of his Father, to be a suffering servant who would give his life as a perfect atoning sacrifice and bear the sins of many. Now he was buried, and God raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand, above every name that has been named. His exaltation is as infinite as his humiliation was an infinite degradation. Now, who is and who will be the greatest name in all of history? It is Jesus Christ. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He is crowned with glory and honor. Oh, but you say, now he's being served. What is important to him now? Has his heart changed? Has his purpose altered? 
The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, he has not changed. He is still the servant of God. He ever lives to intercede for his people in a perpetual priesthood of service. He is continually acting on the behalf of those he loves, his ransomed ones. Listen, by his Holy Spirit, he indwells, he leads, he guides, he instructs, he keeps, he protects, he provides, he sanctifies, he comforts, he disciplines, he chastises, and he warns. He increases strength, and he is our living hope. We live and breathe, and we persevere as saints until the end because the Son of God accomplished what he came to do, and he is now serving forever on our behalf. One day, he will be glorified as king when he returns and every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, he will wipe away the tear from every eye of his dear blood-ransomed ones. One day, those who are granted crowns of glory in heaven will cast down their crowns before his throne and adore him forever. So what is important to you? What really matters to you? Saints, we were made alive in him that we might share in his glory, that we might reign with him as kings and priests. Even now, we who are in Christ are spiritually seated in the heavenlies. This is glory beyond comprehension, and it's only a foretaste. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And he will say one day, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, and or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. You see, this is what it looks like to be a servant of God. Christ is in first place. So let us serve the Lord with gladness of heart, the one who tells us, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen.